Hey everyone, it is Jason here. Just a quick caveat before we start the podcast. Wyatt and I recorded the show before the recent news in the wrestling world, the uh, passing of Terry Funk and of Bray Wyatt, or else it probably would have come up at the beginning of the show. Uh, I was aware of Terry Funk as a wrestler, also dipping his toes into Hollywood for a time. Uh, I remember him being in the movie Over the Top, of course Roadhouse, also an episode of uh, Quantum Leap. So I I think I have more exposure to him in those realms too. Uh, I was watching wrestling as a kid in the 80s and early 90s, and then in the late 90s for the Monday Night Wars. And I have gone back over the last few years and watched some old pay-per-views with Terry Funk and Mick Foley tag-teaming for some of those towards the latter end of his career. But uh, Bray Wyatt, I was out of wrestling by the time he really became a thing. Um, I do know the character of The Fiend and, and the Wyatt family through just some WWE games that I've played on my phone. I uh, know those characters some that way, but I was out of the, the game by the time they came around and rose to popularity. So I just wanted to let you know that before we kick off the show here. So thanks for listening. Coming up on this episode of Rediscovered. Welcome to the world of Harry Smilak. M. Harry Smilak, personal management at your service. A world of fancy cars and fabulous women. Have you ever considered a career in modeling? He's got everything money can buy. The trouble is, it's not his money. Oh! Mr. King from the Pusan Savings and Loan, the vice president. Corrections. Corrections? I correct money from deadbeats like you. He's a mover. Yeah. Hey, and a shaker. I've been thinking about our relationship. <laughs> what relationship? Hi. A wheeler. I'm Harry Smilak. Ow! And a dealer. So tell me, does my man have a t-shirt or a shoe deal? He's a legend. Whatever it is, the answer is absolutely not. What do you want from me? $67,811.19 to be deadly specific. Then, one day, he took some punts. What do you think is the number one thing on M. Harry Smilak's mind? M. Harry Smilak. Added some hugs. You're a dead man, Smilak! And created... Rock and Roll Wrestling. You don't have to thank me. It's just another Smilak service. A comedy with muscle. Body slam. Oh, hey, guys. Trust me. Welcome to Rediscovered a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome everyone back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast in episode number 12 of the Rediscovered series, which is our journey to review obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons from the 80s. Some that just missed us all together and some that we just haven't experienced in decades. I'm one of your hosts, Jason, and of course, the Siskel to my Ebert on this journey is my longtime friend, Wyatt. How are you? 
I'm great. How are things going down there, Jason? Doing well. Fun movie to choose, and uh, we'll tell you all about it here coming up. But our featured movie this episode is Body Slam, starring Dirk Benedict, Roddy Piper, and Tanya Roberts from 1986. This one, I believe, might have been put in my brain from our friend Chad Young, who is a huge wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I seem to think at one time I was put out to Twitter or something about uh, movies that, you know, what should we review on the series that might have missed us? And this one's kind of a cult classic among, I think, wrestling fans. But you noticed it was on the list and we actually found it over there on Tubi. Yeah, it's like we'd say many times in this journey of rediscovered, sometimes we just don't know what's out there. So we start tossing out ideas usually but last time we were actually going jason was working from top to bottom trying to find what he could find on whatever platform and i was working my way bottom Mm -hmm. up trying to figure out where we can meet in the middle and i just happened upon body slam sitting in tubi yeah so that worked out well what was your uh, experience if you have any with the movie coming into this viewing this is purely a discover not a rediscover okay how about you yep same here I had heard of it, but just never sat down to watch it. So well, it, you're you're one up on me because I never even heard of it. <laughs> well, it seemed uh, I don't know if it was my Tubi or if it was the movie itself and just whatever copy they have up there. The quality seemed a little bit off. Like when they would pan, mm-hmm. I would get some like wavy lines. Were you yep. getting some of that too? Uh, I okay. got that too. It's like they took it straight off the VHS, not even <laughs> a digital copy. It could have been. They might have never gone back to remaster it or, you know, truly digitize it. But we do have some history on the movie that we'll uh, get into now before we give our opinions of it. So the development here, I found over there on Wiki that there was a interview with the Canadian Online Explorer by uh, Dirk Benedict about the movie. And he recounts mainly a positive experience working on the film. However, both he and director Hal Needham clashed with Mike Kerb and Shell Lighton, who were credited with the writing and producing of the film, over some changes in the script and some creative choices, I guess, by the director. And at one point, Benedict had a physical altercation with one of them, and these conflicts led to lawsuits being filed, which caused the film to basically miss the entire summer movie season there in 1986 because it was originally slated to be released to theaters. Later, this uh, Hemdale Film Corporation grabbed it and was going to release it in November of 86, but actually the film never saw a wide theatrical release and was instead released direct to VHS and home video. I did not know a lot on the director until I went back and was looking through his filmography, and uh, this was actually his final theatrical film. He did some... TV movies after this, but Hal Needham's credits include many movies with Burt Reynolds, mainly Smokey and the Bandit and all the sequels, which includes those TV movies. Those were some of the ones that he did after this one that was meant for TV. Cannonball Run 1 and 2, Stroker Ace, Megaforce, which is on our list. That is the one that I think is similar to Mask in Nature, Wyatt. And then The BMX racing film Rad, which I absolutely love. I did not realize that was Hal Needham that directed that one. Hmm. But uh, some other facts about him. 
he and Burt Reynolds owned the Mach 1 racing team that fielded the number 33 Skull Bandit car driven by Harry Gant back in the 80s there for NASCAR wow. and, and the early 90s. Uh, he also owned the Budweiser rocket car, which was a vehicle that intended to break the speed of sound on land. And there was some uh, attempts there. I don't think there was any official recognition that it broke the speed of sound, but how Needham was the one that owned the car. He wasn't the driver, but uh, I was reading a little bit on that history. That was interesting. So yeah, I, obviously I've watched smoking the bandit. I'm pretty sure you have. Yeah, it's been a uh, long time, but yes. Cannonball Run. I've seen the first one. Same here. It's been a long time. Stroker Ace. I'm not sure if I've seen that one with uh, Burt no. Reynolds. It's a, no. another racing movie. A lot of stuff around racing. So I guess <laughs> Mr. Needham was uh, infatuated with uh, racing. And then yeah. the film Rad has been very cult and hard to find. I it Finally, I think like last year, maybe two years ago, got a Blu-ray release. Hmm. But for the longest time, the only way you could find it was on VHS. And I remember that being one that I rented when I was younger, just being infatuated with my neighbors up the street had BMX and were uh, his, my, my friend's brother actually uh, was racing. They had a quarter pipe in their backyard. Nice. So that whole BMX culture was really on me in the mid to late eighties. So when that movie came around and I think I watched it at a friend's house for the first time, uh, I've been really excited about that movie, but uh, why don't you, <laughs> the short home video release history here. So it was released in September 10th, 1986 to VHS. And it wasn't until March 15th of 2011 is when we finally get it released to DVD as part of a limited edition collection series by MGM. Currently, you can find it on Tubi, like we stated before. And it was rated PG for the little bit of language and mostly the wrestling violence, yeah, which was kind of comical because PG looked like mild compared to what most 80s wanted to put on their <laughs> ratings. Yeah, this was, well, there's a, a maybe a couple of little things in there, but for the most part, PG was probably a fitting good for it. Yeah. yeah. Now let's go into the synopsis of the film here. So M. Harry Smilak, who's played by Dirk Benedict, is a down-and-out music promoter who's having a hard time attracting talent, booking gigs for his sole client, which is the rock band Kick. He's behind in his car payments, owning a large amount to a banker. He reluctantly accepts a job finding musical acts for a fundraiser of an unpopular politician. Now, while at this fundraiser, Smilak mistakes professional wrestler Quick Rick Roberts, who is Roddy Piper, for a musician and hires him. And then Smilak and Roberts quickly become successful in their wrestling with Tonga Tom as his uh, wrestling partner there. And they soon attract the attention of the wrestling world, which includes Roberts' former manager, Captain Morano, who is Captain Lou Albano, who is now determined to make them fail. And after Morano sabotages them and succeeds in getting them banned from wrestling, then we have Smilak and Roberts deciding to start their own wrestling promotion, which combines wrestling with rock music to create a new and exciting spectacle. So that's a little bit about the uh, the journey in the movie. Let's go over to the cast and just go over and run those down. 
We got Dirk Benedict, like Jason said, as M. Harry Smilak. He was Needham's first choice for the role based on Benedict's work on the television series The A-Team and also Lieutenant Starbuck in the original Battlestar Galactica. Then we have Roddy Piper, of course. Uh, He was best known for being a WWF wrestler at the time, and he would go on to star in other films. Hell Comes to Frogtown, which I've seen once. That was a bit of a labor to get through, I guess we'll say. (laughs) And then uh, John Carpenter's They Live. I've seen that once. It's been forever. I really need to go back and revisit that. And then both missed me. He did some little bit parts here and there. He was in what was it? The pilot of the Highwayman TV series that we reviewed. I'm I'm pretty sure he was in that biker gang that they uh, <laughs> go after. That was a few of his credits. Then we got Sam Fatu as Tonga Tom. Sam is a member of wrestling's fame, uh, a Noai family. His most. So. Uh, his most well-known ring name is the Tonga Kid. So I guess he kept that moniker there. Right. Then we have uh, Kelly Martin as Missy Roberts, who is Quick Rick's daughter in the movie. She began her acting career at age seven when her aunt was the nanny for Michael Landon. Nice. Uh, his children. And he helped her land a guest spot on his series, Father Murphy. was also featured in TV shows like Life Goes On and E.R., Later in life. Then we got Tanya Roberts as Candace Vanderwegen. She played Julie Rogers in the final season of the television series Charlie's Angels from 80 to 81. She was Stacy Sutton in the James Bond film uh, View to Kill, 85. Jason's probably seen that a thousand times. Yeah. So has my wife. I was watching the movie last night and she saw her and was like, I hope she doesn't scream as much as she does in that James Bond movie because all she does is, James, James. <laughs> wow. She also played the title role, Sheena, 1984, Curie in the Beastmaster, 1982, and Midge. Pinciotti. Pinciotti <laughs> on that 70s show in 98 to 2004. Uh, yeah. I've seen her in passing, but. I recognize more the name than I do the person. I'd have to like associate the two to, to pick okay. her out. Yeah. She's been guests on different shows and stuff too, but I did like her role. She was the ditzy blonde stereotype in that 70s show. All right. Then we got Captain Lou Albano as Captain Lou Morano. Albano, of course, was already well known in the wrestling world as a manager and veteran of the business. And he was also in a few other things. He was yeah. in Cindy Lauper's music videos, mainly as her dad. Girls just want to have fun. And I think he was in the Goonies one, too, and maybe one other one. And, of course, he was Mario in yes. the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That's I think right. he did the live acting and the voice work. He in did, that and that's why, I mean... I knew him from wrestling, obviously, but I knew him more really from the Mario role that he played. Right. So as I started to watch the movie, I'm waiting for Mario, the (laughs) Mario voice, not really him. I'm waiting for the Mario voice and it's not. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's a wrestler really first (laughs) and he is an actor. Yeah. But see him do the uh, the Mario dance. Yeah. Swing your hips from side to side. Yeah. (laughs) Now we got Afa. Anoi and Sika Anoi, that's the Samoans. Uh, like Fatu, 
both are members of the Anoy family. The two star as bodyguards in the film in non-speaking roles. They also had successful real-life wrestling careers as the tag team, the Wild Samoans, with Lou Albano as their manager. Mm-hmm. They were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2007. Impressive. And then, oh gosh, let me see if I can get these names out. Sione Velahai, I guess, and Thomas Leroy Cassatt, who are Axe and Hammer, the cannibals in the movie. Both were professional wrestlers and and frequently teamed with Jim Crockett Promotions house shows in 1986. Vela, he, I guess he's best known for his work in the WWF and WCW as the Barbarian, which I recognized him. The guy with the crazy skinny mohawk is the one that I really didn't know. The duo staged a real fight with Piper and Fatu during the filming of the movie's final match. The crowd of extras would take them seriously. So I guess a lot of that where you get some, they get bloody a little bit and stuff, you know, I guess a lot of that was put on to get the crowd, you know, into it. Oh, we're going to this wrestling movie. It's going to stage everything. And they, they staged a real fight. Wow. And we got Charles Nelson Riley as Vic Carson. Riley had, previously starred in another Hall Needham film, Cannonball Run 2, and he was a regular on the 70s game show Match Game. Mm-hmm. I recognized him right away. Then we have Billy Barty as Tim McCluskey, who is the little person who was the <laughs> manager and then the announcer uh, also for a time during the film. Uh, I, I didn't write down here that Chick Hearn is also in the film, one of my favorite sports broadcasters of all time. He was the Lakers broadcaster uh, back in the, well, going way back, but yeah. throughout the 80s when I was a real fan. And uh, he's made several appearances in movies along the way. But uh, as far as Billy Barty goes, long career in show business. Some of his more substantial film roles were actually in the 80s. He was High Aldwin, the village elder in Willow. He was Gwildor. In the film Masters of the Universe. Yep, recognize him from there. And the cameraman Noodles McIntosh in Weird Al's UHF. I faintly remember that, yeah. <laughs> then we got John Ashton as Scotty. He was the car dealer. Yeah. Go- he was also Gomez in the Adams family. And he also played the Riddler back in the 66, well, probably the 68 Batmobile when they decided to lower people's car. <laughs> money and try to try to save a few bucks yeah yeah after uh who was it uh gershwin gershwin yeah yeah it was the original riddler i forgot about that but yeah it was fun to see him as the car dealer there Mm -hmm. for a minute and then john fujioka as mr kim who is the uh korean banker there after him (laughs) with the bodyguards he was actually japanese not korean and had a film career that actually spanned five decades when I looked up all of his work. And then we have the wrestling personalities, mainly towards the end. Got Ric Flair, Freddie Blasi, Adnan Alcasi, Bruno Sammartino, and Alexis Murdoff, who appeared as basically cameos in the audience. And then, of course, they got into the fight as well towards the end. Yeah, in the final match there, so... It was good to see a lot of them, too, 
the uh, old wrestlers, I recognize most of their faces, not all of their names, but Ric Flair, of course, mm-hmm. is out there and Bruno San Martino. I, I recognize those people. All right. Well, let's go on real quick here to the critical analysis of the film. It was met with mixed reviews. TV Guy rated it at two stars, describing it as a raucous action comedy with a certain admittedly dubious historical appeal. Okay. Leonard Maltin gave the film two and a half stars, calling Dirk Benedict's performance charming and lamented that the film was not widely released, saying that it deserved better. And Variety gave the film a positive review, calling it a pleasant surprise and genuinely funny. They praised Dirk Benedict's performance also and called the film a solid comeback for director Hal Needham. Currently, the uh, rating on IMDb shows 5.2 out of 10. And pretty much matching that over there in Rotten Tomatoes has an audience score of 52%. So I guess in the middle there, if you know it, you probably love it. If you don't know it and try to watch it, you're probably (laughs) giving it the thumbs down. But now it's time for our take on the movie. So let's just start from the top. And we always run through our favorite and least favorite characters first. So why don't you start us off there, Wyatt? I really liked Dirk Benedict, I guess probably because I, I know him or associate with him more as the A-Team face man. And he seemed to carry that role into this movie. He seemed exactly like face. Uh, mm-hmm. It was almost hard not to disassociate him as he's now the sales or the music and now wrestling promoter you know he's doing that same con artist i don't know how else to tell you but his mannerisms and you know oh come on guys you know it's just a little gig you know if you'll help me out man come on <laughs> and it, it's that sales guy that you know he he does it so well in a team and i don't know i can't remember what year this was if it was at the height of a team or just shortly after it was right on the tail end 86 so, so. he's fresh with that I will call it character trope. So it feeds well into this movie. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing the wrestlers, but I had a hard time with Captain Lou. He would probably be my least, probably because he's that pushy, arrogant guy thinking that he's the end all be all for wrestling. He's trying to own all of the, the wrestling. They don't name it by any means like WWF. They seem to keep it a, an anonymous like wrestling foundation or wrestling something. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, I mean, again, he was, he did it well. He did the character well. So I was impressed with his acting and what he was doing, shoving people, including kids out of his way as he's coming in towards the last part of it. But I didn't like him, the character himself. I didn't like him because he was just yeah. too much of a jerk. How about you? <laughs> well, I can see that. I mean, that's, kind of the role that he played right as a wrestling manager so maybe he that, that was probably natural for him to carry that probably. over too and i can see why he, he was a bit he's always over the top and just in your face and that's just his personality he can do one thing and that's all he does so i didn't expect more than that really out of him but uh, i don't know if i'd go as far as my least favorite character i'd probably pick Dirk's lawyer friend there is my least favorite character. Yeah, he wasn't much better. <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know if it was just the actor choice or 
uh, just, you know, what he had there. There's that scene at the beginning of the movie where they're in his office and then a little bit at the party there. So it's not a huge role, but yeah, I mean, you were spot on there with Dirk Benedict straight up face as Mm a, you know, music (laughs) manager, all the same kind of feels, I guess you say nowadays as face man in the A team and his mannerisms, that weaselly, you know, conniving kind of personality that he had or would turn on right. when he needed to in the A-team. Come on, uh, Amy. Come on. Take one yeah. for the team. Oh, you could sell anything to anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. You take whatever level he was at the A-team and you crank it all the way to 11, then that's what you got in this this movie. But he was fun. He was real fun Yes, driving the sports car. That Ferrari you know. was awesome to see. Yeah, I now that was a funny scene, funny scene. So you're trying to get this impression of him. The the opening credits are rolling. He's driving the Ferrari, and there's this scene with this girl in a bikini that he stops at the stoplight or stop sign yeah. or something. And he's like, Yeah, oh, come on, hey, how are you doing? And he thinks that she's talking back with him. He opens the passenger door in the car and realizes it was some muscle-bound jerk that was behind him. Right. That she was you know, going to get with, but uh, you can see kind of that's okay. This is going to be the Weasley guy that's trying to get with the ladies and doing his little side business here. I did like his first meeting with Tanya Roberts too, when they're at her house there where they're trying to set up this venue and uh, didn't realize that the mother is the one that's, you know, kind of running the show and she's, that's her mother. And she's there sunbathing or something there by the pool and mm-hmm. gets her to come up and he's giving her the whole, I'll make you the biggest model. And I discovered Christy Brinkley and all this stuff, you know, and then she turns the table on him that, Hey, you know, I'm, I live here. <laughs> this what's is, uh, what's cor- corny about the movie, right? She did say Mrs. So she she did. So, you know, I'm thinking he's going to be turned down because the mister is in the next room, Uh but he still ends up flirting with her and the whole nine. So I'm like, was that a slip that they let that go? (laughs) I guess it could be, but I don't think that would have stopped him anyway from flirting with (laughs) whoever he wanted to. But so, yeah, so there are some really fun, naturally funny moments like that in the movie where his personality comes out when he's at the car dealer and he's trying to get him to give him a car, you know, and then he's trying to bribe him with Bruce Springsteen tickets and right. And a, 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 a mosque or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that just, Oh, it's face man all the way. So definitely enjoyed him the most out of the characters. And I thought the wrestlers did good. I thought Roddy Piper did yeah. Well, for with, with what he had, you know, he's the the baby face, as they say in the wrestling world of the movie. And he's got the little daughter with him. You know, he's trying to make a living. And that's his uh, niece. Yeah. Anyway, or was it his niece? I was thinking it was his it was niece. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. That was the trope. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I thought he did well. And well, Tonga Tom there, he was a little rough around the edges with his acting abilities, but they're wrestlers. So you don't expect, well, some of them have really excelled at it. You take the rock. Oh yeah. You know, even John Cena has got into the movie business, but 
it's a rarity when you can you have the wrestler to movie transition and sure. there's not some <laughs> some acting curve there. But uh any other characters you liked or didn't like you want to talk about? I guess I liked Billy Barty, who was mm-hmm. the he was really the midget there. And little you person. Think of, yeah, a little person. <laughs> but you'd think of the especially nowadays, right? You think of you have to walk a fine line with, like Jason just said, the little person. But yet he's getting, of course, this is 80s, but he's getting kicked over on the stage, on the thing. Yeah. He's getting a little guy kind of talk or, or description, and he's getting all riled up. And Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, that was great. The scene when they're actually on the talk show. Yeah. And <laughs> Dirk is trying to not to say all those little uh phrases and stuff that has to do with little or small he's trying to get around all that and that's right stirs him up but that was just hilarious to watch him but like you i didn't like dirk's lawyer i don't know it was like he was trying to tell him you know go elsewhere go elsewhere but then he would also to kind of pull the scam in it well if you do this maybe we can get you back on you know a level playing field so i don't know to me it took uh, a little bit away from it Mm-hmm. I get the point. I get what he was there for, but like I said, it was just it took away for me. It took a little bit away from it, but the rest of them, they actually were a good set. I liked the twins. I liked how they kept damaging cars. It was <laughs> yeah. kind of funny to watch. You know, they toss over that car that looked like the one looked like it was just a shell of a car. And they just stuck the fancy yeah. parts on it. Yeah, yeah. Going back in. Realizing who Hal Needham was as, as a director and seeing all these movies with cars and car chases and stuff. I'm surprised they didn't try to include something like that in this movie. But uh, yeah, flipping over the cars and all that was was really fun. And yeah, the, the guy always seemed to pop up at the worst time. You know, worst time. Yeah, the, he finally gets uh, Tanya there uh, to come <laughs> take him back. He's faking that neck injury. And right. He tries to, uh, or Candace, I guess she is in the movie, right? Trying to get her to come back to his uh, apartment there and help him out. And oh, I need to, I need to get to bed, or I need to get into the, the jacuzzi. jacuzzi. And then all of a sudden, boom! They're there trying to collect on this business loan, <laughs> and he says it down right to the last cent, and brings along those thugs to kind of rough them up. But yeah, so, this yeah. was this was those are friend friend characters. What were your I guess experience or likes or dislikes overall. Well, I generally I liked the way they got there. It was just it took them a while to get there. So I agree. At the beginning, you know, you're going through basically Dirk's life, or uh, I guess I should I don't know if I should call, <laughs> call him by the by the actor's name or Harry. Right. You're going through his life and just kind of set up but there's a lot of setup there i think that's what i thought was maybe maybe too much before you even bring in the wrestlers i'm like you know watching the thing i'm like okay this is a wrestling movie right and so i had that kind of notion i don't know how much i was into the movie maybe 20 or 30 minutes in and i was like okay where are the wrestlers (laughs) and then then we get to the wrestling deal and that kind of pushes the movie along and you understand, okay, so now it's the manager thing and they're, it was a mistake at first to, to hire them. And then they 
get into it and you have the pushback from Lou Albano. And then you finally get to the nuts and bolts of the movie, which is putting this promotion together with his band, his, uh, that rock band kick. And then uh, the wrestlers. And once we got to that part of the movie, I was like, all right, here we go. This is, this is fun because this is kind of during the era, maybe even a little bit prior. I can't remember when, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling hit, but you had this. Well, actually, it was probably before this because Mm -hmm. you had some wrestling events that were on MTV. You had that whole crossover culture there with Cyndi Lauper. And I was like, this is what it would have been like had Vince McMahon put rock bands into a WWF show, you know, or something. Right. And that whole era had that connection. So, I was really digging it. I like the, uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna jam out and then we're gonna kill some people. You know, we're gonna <laughs> fight and uh, have a wrestling match. So I like the concept overall of the movie. It just took some time to to advance it. You know, I, I don't know how long the movie was, but it seemed longer than probably it should have been. You know, if I remember right, it was an hour and forty seven minutes, but it was like. Whenever I stopped the movie, there was another 20 minutes, maybe longer of credits. It was a real, (laughs) like a slow build, or maybe there was something they had to do for fill time, and and this is what they had to do. But like you, I like story building. I like getting the foundation of what's going on. But like you, it was tedious. It just sounded like it just carried on and carried on and carried on. And I'm not a big wrestler fan, but I did watch it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did like about it was once they got the wrestling in there, I had nearly forgotten a lot of what the wrestling did. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the basics, you know, they jump off the uh, the top ring and the clothesline and all that. But uh-huh. like the excitement and so forth, I, I'm not much of a sports person, but that was something I don't know what intrigued <laughs> you. It's like watching, a, you know, a fire. You know, you shouldn't watch a fire, especially with someone's house burning down, but something intrigues you about watching yeah. a house on fire. So something was, intrigues you about getting your face bashed in by someone yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or a chair smacked across your back or whatever right, the right, trope yeah. was, you know, of, of the time. But it was fun to watch it. And then to see Lou one up and on Harry, you know, he's out there taking him down and, and getting yeah. him physically in there. The, uh, the small fry type of underdog story where you got Rick who's trying to be this up and coming wrestler and mm-hmm. he gets turned down. So you got Harry picking him up and you got Tonga Tom getting also signed on mm-hmm. and the little niece is in there. She's kind of saying the yes and no to get Rick to do to go yeah. with this uh concept it's almost his like conscience at some yeah. point yeah and that was fun to watch uh-huh. all that i mean i the build was slow but i also saw some of the i'll call it the stuff they should have kept and clipped you know this is one of the one they should have kept you know getting them signed on get the little nod from the yeah the little yeah. girl and and then get into the rock and wrestling mix I think would have been a big, huge draw in the real mm-hmm. wrestling fandom as that is. It wouldn't be just the whole 
you know, fireworks or what entry or whatever that gets yeah. everything kicked off or the behind the scenes. Remember when we, we would watch the in-betweens where they have the interview, you know, what do you yeah. say, Hulk Hogan? Oh, I put it in a fool. I'm going to take this guy down there, man. I'm going to eat my vitamins and I'm going to, no, no. you know, he yeah, just rattle yeah. off stuff and they get wound up. So that was kind of the ambiance with wrestling. Thankfully, we didn't have any of that. <laughs> uh, in this, but it was still fun to watch. That interview right. was fun. The little TV show, like interview thing, that was fun to watch. I actually yeah. liked this movie. I was a little apprehensive, to be quite honest. I think it was because I got jaded from all of our previous movies that weren't panning out as well as we had hoped. Yeah. So I was a little apprehensive when we were <laughs> going into this. I'm like, oh no, do I even dare watch this? Uh, <laughs> Well, I'll give it its fair shot. You know, I talked myself into it, but I liked it in the end. Okay, good. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I had some of those same memories stir up of watching wrestling when I was a kid. Yeah, they didn't have all the promos like you were saying, like in between segments and all that. But I really liked, I didn't know Chick Hearn, the announcer, knew all of the moves. And if he was directed to do so, or if he actually was a into wrestling enough to... Uh, announce all the moves that were going on and that was really fun just to get in the ring and they're doing the basically entire matches uh, a couple times so you get the matches in there it's not just pieces of a match or things like that so that was fun and yeah i mean i'm i'm with you i this is a movie i enjoyed watching it's it's not you know, five stars by any means, but it's one that I would probably go back and watch again, uh, given the option, you know, if I'm scrolling through, oh, let me watch this again. Because it was uh, fun in the end. And even though it was a little slow to get there, it was, I think it paid off at the end. So I wasn't left like, well, that was a chore, but, and, you know, it just never, never paid off, but I think it paid off at the end. And, you know, for the most part, the the setup, yeah, it was it was long, and you had you're like, okay, well, he's got to his car gets repossessed, so he's got to get a new car, and then he's gonna do this. Well, his car gets damaged, you gotta go back and get a new car, and he's trying to. It's basically just go through daily life. They could have shortened a little bit on that, but we right. still we still get fun parts of his journey, like when he. He dresses up like a woman just to hide from everybody right? and basically get to the, the wrestling match and try to uh, support, you know, his wrestlers. And they ended up finding out, you know, at the that's him at, at the uh, match there. I'm surprised the crowd wasn't oohing and eyeing when they uh, throw him out of the ring or they, I think they body slam at one point when he's still in all the, yeah, the women's yeah. garb. I was like, oh, that wouldn't have gone over well with the crowd. But just little things like that, too, funny parts that we mentioned before, too, made you keep going along with the story and getting, you know, a little bit of humor. You add in the the drama of the story and more humor. So there was a nice mix of all that going on as you're watching the movie, too. So while it, I see I think it seemed long, it there was enough in there to keep you moving. And then once you got to the good stuff at the end, then like I said, it paid off. So I guess we're both in agreement then that this is one that people should 
go rediscover if they haven't watched it in a while. I would give that a second. I think everybody should go and rediscover this. Um, okay. Especially if uh, you're anything interested in, in wrestling. This this is fun. Uh, it was a very fun watch. It, I wouldn't call it a, a five star, but it was up there. I would I would give it a four star rating. Uh, yeah. Because there was a cheesy moment. It's the long, a little bit long drawn out. But it was a good, very good. It caught my attention and kept my attention. I Like I said, I was a little leery walking into it, but they kept my attention the entire time. I haven't. I, I used this app called Letterboxd to basically make a diary of all the movies I'm watching and rate them and, and things. I don't think I've given in a rating over there yet, but I'm probably in the three to three and a half stars out of five range at this point. And yeah, I was going to say, uh, I would even go as far as if you enjoy the A team and enjoyed the face man character in the A team, I think you'll yes. like this one, even if you don't have that wrestling background. Because he did a, a well enough job that A-Team fans, I think, would enjoy watching the movie as well. So whether you're outside of those two worlds of the A-Team and wrestling, uh, I don't know. It's not. Uh, it's just so much geared towards the, the wrestling as you're watching it and that uh, his character is front and center pretty much the whole movie, too. So I don't know if you'd enjoy it outside of those two worlds, but hey, if you... You know, if you like maybe uh, just something different that uh, is a fun little story and, you know, sit back in the 80s, I say give it a give it a shot. Exactly. So, all right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add to the review. No, this has been an awesome watch and we'll get with you next time when we cycle through. I believe we've foregone the cycle of you know cartoon and episode and, and right uh, movie right. because it's more of about of the fact of trying to find everything now um so yeah it's a lot easier i guess quicker for us as far as time goes to watch a movie versus trying to watch you know maybe an entire 13 episode series of television or animation at this point but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, we did at one point have, and I think I still have notes for the Karate Commandos cartoon by Chuck Norris. So if we want to watch those uh, episodes again, there's only five of those. That might be one that we can yeah we can add to it. But always open for your suggestions too. If there's something that pops up on Tubi, one of these free services that everybody has access to, that's what we're mainly looking at. To, uh, to find some of these hidden gems and hopefully not the, you know, hidden crap. <laughs> yeah. But uh, would love your suggestions too. Absolutely. This was awesome. And thank you for joining us here on Rediscovered. And we hope to catch you next time. Yep. See you then. Thanks for listening to Rediscovered, right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. Find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s, right here on Rediscovered. Rediscovered.